Good morning, everyone. Let's stand up as we worship the Lord. Yeah.
Let's just sing to him together. And let the king of my heart be the mountain where I run, the fountain I drink from, always my song. Come on, you know it, sing it. Let the king of my heart be the shadow.
soul this morning. He's never going to let you down. He's never left or forsaken you for one moment in your life. You're never going to
Good morning, everyone. Hey, put your hands together and welcome each other to the assembly. What an amazing day. I'm so glad you're here. This is our Educator Sunday. It's a day where we set aside to express our gratitude and honor to all of those who work in any capacity to help facilitate learning within any school. We are so proud of you. But we have the uniqueness in our vision to also have an incredible Small World Learning Center and Summit Christian Academy. And so we have most of our team here today and you're gonna get to meet them and all the educators that are here. So here's the way I'm gonna do this. Let me start with all of our Small World and Summit staff. Would you hit your feet real quickly with me today? Come on, stand up today. Thank you so much. And remain standing, please. Please remain standing. We're so thankful for what is happening in Small World. Lots of renovations and growth. Same is happening for Summit. It's a new year, and we're believing it's going to be the best. Let me ask everyone across the place who serves in education, would you please stand, all right? All of you. Any capacity, I want you to stand today. Come on, keep standing. You know who you are. Very good. And here's what I'm gonna do. This is a very important day. I want all of you to step out and come forward and I'm gonna have you face the people. We're gonna pray for you. As they're all coming, I want you to give the greatest round of applause to all of these educators. Come on, let's do it today. 
Come on, keep clapping your hands. This is an amazing representation. And everybody remain standing because we're just going to surround them with our prayers. Uh, before you are those serving uh, the youngest age through university. We have caregivers to coaches. We have school administrators. Matter of fact, I do want to honor our superintendent. Dan, would you just raise your hand? This is our superintendent of Summit. Standing next to him is Joe Linda, our elementary principal. Joe Linda, would you raise your hand, please? Our secondary principal is Mr. Kevin White, right over here. And the director of Small World is Dr. Lori Kelly, and she's standing right here. Amazing. Let's pray for all of these amazing people. Lord Jesus, we stand in recognition and honor of each one of these educators. God, I pray that this year will be blessed, blessed with your mercies, just providing the inspiration and strength for every day. I pray that you would protect them and provide for them as they sacrifice and serve. Lord God, I know that they take their assignment as a call that you have given them and equal to that call are the gifts and talents you've given them to be at their very best. And I pray that this prayer and this service in the days to come, they will know they are in our hearts and in our prayers, not just today, but every day. Because Lord, the responsibility that they have is, is incredible. They're taking students from where they are to a new place academically while modeling for them what it is to be great men and women. And I just ask that you bless them in it, in the mighty name of Jesus. As they go to their seats one more time, let them know your love and appreciation. Such an awesome group. You guys can go ahead and have a seat today. Welcome to the assembly. We love being here in church with you today. And we're just excited about what God is going to do. Lots of ways to be involved. And I'm going to ask that as the ushers go ahead and come forward, uh, just as you prepare your offering, I've got a, a couple of quick things just to point out of ways to be involved. One is called Growth Track. And it's a way to get involved and, and find out more about how you can serve here at the church. That is every Sunday morning at 9 o'clock. We've got something for the ladies, our women's Bible study starts Tuesday. Tuesday morning, be here if you want to be involved with that. We have our women's conference in September. Tickets are available in the lobby. Sign up and register for that today. Men, we have our men's breakfast this Saturday morning, and so be here for that. Great food and fellowship and great things going on there. 
and then I'm the young adult pastor. My name is, is Pastor Joel Thompson. And so we're excited. Yeah, thank you. Uh, we're excited about next Sunday night. I want you to come and meet me at our pool party that we are having at Burning Tree Pool in Tulsa. It's a huge event, great way for new college freshmen to get plugged in and, and a new church and to find purpose here at the assembly. And so come next Sunday night, be a part of that. Information is available in the lobbies for that. And then last but not least, we have our back to school kickoff next Wednesday night. And so it's a great thing for families, for students, and for elementary age people. It's gonna be a great event with games and food and all kinds of good stuff. So be here for that. We're thankful for God's provision. We're thankful for his blessings and his faithfulness. And we're just gonna ask that he would just continue to pour out on this church and give us the ability to minister to our neighbors and nations. Let's pray for the offering today. Father, we love you so much. We just praise you for this chance to be in your house. God, we pray that we would be good stewards of the blessings that you have shown us and given us and help us to give back freely so that we can bless others and make a difference, God, in our community and in this world. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. tournament, which to me is just like they're champions. And then our varsity team started early yesterday morning, played throughout the day in the gym. It was about 88 to 92 degrees all day long. As a matter of fact, where's Coach Hoppers? Coach, coach Hoppers, you need to be up here with your team. Come on. This is our coach. And our varsity girls took first place, brought home the trophy. I'm so proud of them. All of these girls, they're all amazing. This one right here, I call her the president. This one right here, she's in control. This is Homeland Security. This is Monique, she's nothing but momentum. 
This is amazing Gracie right here. These girls are just amazing. Right over here, I call Natalie the Secretary of State. And right here, this is my future daughter-in-law right here. So I just want to throw that out there. So anyway, <laughs> you might as well prophesy while you're in church, right? Hey, let these girls know how proud you are of them as they're seated today. Love you, girls. And I can't uh, move on without saying a special happy birthday to one of the most amazing people uh, in this church and anywhere. Stephanie Simon, stand up. Happy birthday to Stephanie. Yes, we honor you today. We love you so much. Thank you for all you are, all you do. She's doing great for 25, isn't she? Awesome, awesome. Well, we've been in the book of Mark, and on this Educator Sunday, we come to a passage that I think is so relevant, and it's for all of us. This, this one strikes me at the core of who I am, and hopefully it'll be the same to you and for you. It's in Mark chapter 9. Now, it's interesting because these disciples, they are uh, they're on this road to Capernaum, and they're having a conversation. And Josh, could you bring this mic down a little bit? I know this is not my normal mic, so I don't want to overpower it. Thank you. So here's how it unfolds. After they arrived at Capernaum and settled in a house, Jesus asked his disciples, what were you discussing out on the road? Now, teachers, there are times that you ask the rhetorical question. You already know the answer, that you're trying to capture a teachable moment. We know Jesus knew what they were discussing, even though they probably were a good ways behind him. And I'm not saying that he necessarily overheard it. Perhaps that was the case, but we know that he knew. And so he's trying to capture this teachable moment, and it is one of the most intriguing. So let's continue reading verse 34. But they didn't answer because... They had been arguing about which of them was the greatest. Now, before we go to the next verse, what is the master teacher, the greatest transformational leader that has ever lived, what's he going to do? They've been arguing about which of them was the greatest. Is Jesus going to criticize them, or should I say correct them, for having a discussion about greatness other than just putting all of that emphasis on him. Let's see, verse 35. He sat down and called the 12 disciples over to him and said, whoever wants to be first must take last place and be servant of everyone else. He does not correct them for having a conversation about greatness, he just wants to present to them the pathway to greatness. This becomes very meaningful to me because when I was in the ninth grade, Miss Blankenship was my algebra teacher. She was also my algebra teacher in the 10th grade. Do the math. Uh, the good news is algebra one was ninth grade, algebra two was 10th grade. But in all honesty, 
Miss Blankenship called my mom and said, look, uh, he's probably going to make a living talking, not in accounting. Uh, but if he's going to make it through, I've gotten him through Algebra 1, but it would be great if I could do some tutoring with him over the summer so that he is prepared for Algebra 2. And that is exactly what we did. And she sacrificed so much and she got me through. And the, what I did learn from that is, is how to, to figure out 10% of any number. So, <laughs> oh, yes. So that's about all the math that I know. And so then Miss Blankenship, she had this way, and many teachers in my school did this. They seated us alphabetically. Everybody say hi to Pastor Barry. No. <laughs> Love you, man. Thank you. So she seated us alphabetically, and my name starting with W, I was always on the back row. And as I give you this, this, this story, you got to understand that attention in me, even as a teenager, was how to reconcile passion with servanthood. I didn't have the maturity to put that language to it. I just had a call of God on my life. And when it came to serving Jesus, I, I felt this intensity that we need. It should be, you know, fiery, like Everything, And yet there was this idea of servanthood, and it seemed to be that that servanthood seemed to be in conflict with the drive in me. And Miss Blankenship, I remember her seating us alphabetically, and I raised my hand. She was the first teacher that ever told me she thought I had the gift of interruption, and I had raised my hand. She said that. Uh, and... She says, what do you want? I said, the Bible says the last shall be first, so could we come up to the front row? Because there were teachers and classes that we wanted to sit on the front row. And I said, can we do that? She said, well, I have an idea, so let's just see how this plays out. And I hadn't realized it until that point, but there were chalkboards. And for those of you that are in this new generation and you use smartboards, we had chalkboards. And so there were chalkboards on both sides of the classroom. And she came around behind the back row and ask us all to turn our desks around. And she taught, in my opinion, from the back of the class. And she said, this idea of the first being last, she said, it is a mindset. Said, you would think that being, uh, taking last, like, you know, you can't be first because you're serving Jesus, because Jesus said, if you want to be first, you have to be last. So there's this row, and you got to come to the back of the row. And so she said, here's the way you should think about that. You shouldn't think about it as that you are the last in the line. You should think about it as a mindset. And she said, when you, if you serve Jesus and you're like the last, she said, just turn around. She said it's positional and it's a mindset. And she said this to us in the ninth grade, and I still remember it. She said, I go to church, and there are people in my church that use servanthood as air cover for apathy. And she said, ambition is not in competition with servanthood. I always thought ambition was a sin. 
Like you had to eradicate ambition because we are called to be servants. And there is this, this thought, and I know it's just me, that that had to be eradicated. And she's the first person that I ever heard say, ambition is not sin, selfish ambition is sin. Today, I want to talk to you about greatness. And I want you to consider greatness in exactly how Jesus is presenting it. First of all, we get to have a conversation about greatness. And that everybody is created for greatness. Did anybody uh, go to school hoping that your teacher woke up on that given day saying, I just want to be mediocre today. You know, I never would want to be a great teacher. I, I just want to be, matter of fact, I'll just be a poor teacher. I, I just want to be present but not effective. No teacher wakes up and thinks like that. I mean, you, if you are having surgery this week, you don't want a doctor who's waking up saying, I just want to be a, a mediocre surgeon. You want a surgeon who's been ambitious and has been driven to be at his or her best, yes? I mean, you don't want a pastor who wakes up on a Sunday morning and is like, it's Sunday, oh no, people are coming, i got to get a talk. And he goes to DesperatePastor.com and gets a, well, that, that could apply to a lot of stuff right there. Uh, he, gets, he just throws a talk together. No, you want someone who's passionate I'm so glad this worship team, Susie and Brian, I'm so glad they don't wake up and say, Lord, just make me a mediocre singer. I love watching them give their best. I love their preparation. I love their passion. I love their drive. And that is not in conflict with servanthood. Matter of fact, Jesus said in Mark 9, the pathway to greatness is servanthood. Keep the passion. Keep the drive. Keep the ambition. Pour fuel on that fire. Just express it in servanthood. Never make the benchmark another person. Keep the benchmark Jesus Christ. That's the key. And doesn't that just set us free? I mean, when it comes to love, which is a virtue... We don't say, I, I should just love people so-so. We know that we need to grow in our love toward people. When it comes to forgiveness, we don't say, well, there are some people I'm just not going to forgive. And, and I'm going to live in unforgiveness or I'm going to partially forgive. Like, I'll, I will get over some of it, but I'll never get over all of it. No, forgiveness is a virtue. And we say, go for it. But then when it comes to passion, drive, ambition. We need to be the same. Build that fire in your heart to be at your best. Here is Jesus allowing, promoting, encouraging, and building on a conversation of greatness. Erwin McManus, he talks about this. and It's fascinating, and he comes out of his own story where December 15th of last year, he was diagnosed with cancer. As they did biopsies, they found it was malignant and surgery was going to be necessary. And they presented to him three different surgeons that they felt were the best in the world. He called them and one responded. 
It was Dr. Khalil, and the doctor that responded used a robotic device for the surgery. The robotic device is called Da Vinci, and that surgeon designed the device. Over McManus's surgery took six hours. It was supposed to take two hours. When he was able to hold a conversation with the doctor, the doctor said it was more extensive than we thought. But I am happy to tell you that I got all the cancer. And Irwin said, he looked at his doctor and said, I am so glad that you don't like to lose. And his surgeon said, Irwin, it's interesting you say that because I want you to know I hate to lose. I hate cancer. I wake up every day trying to figure out what I can do to confront, fight, and bring cure to this horrible disease. And he said, matter of fact, it is that drive that kept me working on this device. And had I not perfected it, I'm telling you, and there's no way, no other way, that we would have been able to get all of the cancer out of your body. I am so thankful for people who wake up with passion to say, I'm gonna push the limits I'm going to push the boundaries of creativity. I'm going to push myself. I'm, I will keep learning, keep growing, so that I can keep giving. I have one life. And the Bible says things like this. Redeem the time. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it how? With all of your might. God is saying through Jesus in this passage, be great, be passionate, keep the drive, be ambitious, just surrender it to Jesus and express it through servanthood. Come on, church, let's be great. Mm, stirs my heart, stirs my heart. And if you study Mark, he shows so clearly how Jesus is challenging these disciples that if you will live with this ambition expressed through servanthood. I mean, I think it's a clear biblical case that there's never been a more ambitious person than Jesus Christ. He came to save the world. It doesn't get more ambitious. And he shows them, if you will live the way I have modeled before you. He's, he has his disciples there. Just like you have your disciples every day in your classroom. And he's saying, if you will live the way I have modeled for you, it's going to carve out distinction. And because you are passionate, you are going to be at your best. And that is excellence. And when you express your gift and talents and calling with excellence, it carves out a, dis a distinction that brings incredible influence. So think about these words. Drive, passion, vision, ambition, expressed through servanthood, the pathway to greatness that creates a spirit of excellence. A servant's spirit becomes 
a spirit of excellence in everything you do, which so elevates Christ to others in how you carry out the tasks of your calling. Now, there's a story of a teacher in our church, and rather than me tell you, it's far better that, that you just see it, and it's everything that I'm talking to you about today. So watch this. This Thursday, students in Broken Arrow will begin the new school year. Oh boy, at the uh, high school, a finalist for Oklahoma Teacher of the Year is the driving force behind a new class in innovative research. It's a way for students to touch lives in a critically important way, and not just here, but halfway around the world. In the time it takes to count to four, another person dies of hunger in Kenya. How in the world do you solve a problem that big? Sometimes students say there's so many problems, and I said, yeah, but what's really good is you're the problem solver. Inspiring these problem solvers at Broken Arrow High School. You just know you're helping people. Is science teacher Donna Grottle. She's already taken students twice to Kenya and has been invited back with her new class of innovative research students to help create a sustainable community right outside Nairobi on top of a mountain. It's not just a school exercise. No. You don't just get a grade for it. Somebody's depending on these students. Absolutely. From thousands of miles away to just across the street from BA High, Donna's students will now work to turn this dirty retention pond into a sustainable water system. They have a lot of sediment over there. Mm -hmm. And I said, what are you going to do with the sediment? And he said, well, we can't do much because it's contaminated with heavy metals. And I said, oh, great. Great because it's another opportunity to innovate. Her students will also use the same process of scientific investigation in hopes of innovating a better way to reach and teach autistic students in the district. My students will be responsible to go and question, find out what their problems are. Can we do anything to make their learning environment better for them? Mm -hmm. Somebody might be thinking, you know, but they don't have any medical training or <clears throat> psychological training or specialized training in autism. How would they do that? But I guess that's what it's about, again. It is. Opening your mind and saying, let me think this through. Exactly. The superintendent told me it's no surprise Donna Grottle is BA's Teacher of the Year. I've been doing this for over 25 years, and I have never seen a teacher that not only influences her classroom, her school, her district, her state, her nation. She opens the world up to kids. Donna Grottle, inspiring her students to imagine what could be and always to use what they learn to help others. To pay it forward. My students are all going to be world changers. Wow. that awesome? And Donna, such an integral part of this church. She serves in everything we do. And if you've ever been around her, you know she has this servant's spirit. And yet you don't do that unless you wake up every day going with ambition. Like, I want to push the limits. I've been to Kenya where, where she has gone with her team. It's amazing what she's doing. What, what other people just write off and see as a problem, because she's so ambitious, she sees opportunity. And what it has done is it's carved out distinction. And it's amazing to me that the teacher of the year is a devoted follower of Jesus. And I absolutely love that. Daniel, in chapter 6, verse 3, he distinguished himself to where four different kings over a long period of time chose him to be next in power to them. 
because he woke up every day with passion, drive, ambition, yet expressed it through servanthood. Donna Grotta, would you stand and let us honor you today? This is the teacher of the year. Come on, everybody. Let her know how proud you are of her. Incredible. Yes. Wow. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If you've never gotten to talk to her, she, she is so compelling. And that's what I'm saying. It's, it's humility, it's servanthood with this strong, unquenchable fire expressed in excellence. But as you follow Jesus' influence in Mark, what he has shown his students, his disciples, that everything is by power. Like, Jesus is shown as the servant king in the book of Mark. And what that means is he had this incredible relationship with people. He cared about people. But whether they were demon-possessed, had a physical sickness, a storm that was out of control, he had power to overcome. And then he says to these students of his, as you do ministry, as you go forward in greatness expressed through servanthood, don't dare try it apart from my power. So when you think about this ambitious drive expressed through servanthood, where you have this excellence in all that you do, it's immersed in the power of Jesus that raises you to a self greater than yourself. That's the picture that Jesus paints as an artist for his students in the book of Mark. One way that Jesus is described, John picks up on this. Mark never uses the word. Mark just uses the description throughout his book, and it's that of a lion. The lion being the most powerful. Jesus is described as this lion, a lion that is not apathetic, determined, powerful, a hunter, an overcomer. That's Jesus. And all of Mark is Jesus saying to his students, you have an assignment, which is what you will do. But if you don't support what it is you're called to do by who you are, then there will be an undermining of your gifts and talents within your assignment. It's who you are. Within my personality, within your personality, we must grow that servant spirit that is passionate, ambitious, visionary. Developing just excellence, it's not something we do. It's, it's in the culture of our soul that if we're going to do it, we're going to do it well. And we wouldn't dare try without asking Jesus to please empower us or else on our best day, we will live beneath the influence we are created to know. So we get this imagery, we get this idea this of power, but it goes beyond that because any great leader, any, 
any great influencer has to overcome, has to keep influencing in the harder seasons. Live long enough. And you'll walk through a difficult, such a difficult time that you'll, it'll threaten that passion. This is where people burn out. Instead of burn on for God. This is where the fire of ambition and drive becomes just an ember. This is where we want to throw in the towel and the creativity and innovation It gives way to the doubt, discouragement, and even hopelessness that rises because of a difficult season that we're going through. So Jesus is trying to show his students in the book of Mark that storms will come. Times will come. Your back will be against the wall. You won't have a clue what you're going to do. And it's then that this power for vision has to be seen through right perspective. Not just vision of what I want to become, but perspective that must stay right as I'm weathering storms. So a lion has the ability... To see six times better than we can because it has the ability to process light six times more effectively than we do. So what that means is what out in the distance becomes very blurry to you and me or even unseen is seen in detail by a lion. Athletes that play out in the sun, they will will put the black beneath their eyes because what they're trying to do is decrease the light because our eyes can only process light at a certain level. So we try to decrease the light. In the creative uh, genius of God, every lion has a white eyeliner that magnifies the light, intensifies, increases the light because the lion can process the light six times greater than we can. So an image, the light hits the eye of the lion, comes through its cornea, through the lens called the pupil, to the retina, where all the cones and receptors are, and they are processing all of this light, and then the optic nerve shoots up a message to the brain. And what is blurry in the distance to you and me, the lion is going, that's lunch. And it's going to be a good lunch. Here's what Jesus is trying to say to his students. Here's greatness. Greatness is being able to process what's happening around you that is so close and it's immediate while you don't lose sight of the big picture so that you can persevere And keep the greatness in the worst of times. Here's how Paul said it. For our present troubles are small. And they won't last very long. Now let me use my gift of interruption. We need to raise our hand right here and say time out. A real struggle never seems small. And it lasts a lot longer than we ever thought. And think about the writer. This is Paul who was in prison, shipwrecked, snake bitten, beaten, 
left for dead on several different occasions. And this is Paul saying, our troubles are small. Really? Well, it's because he has this long view. He has an empowered perspective that is able to put the present trouble into such a context, which was the context of eternity, where he could say, it won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So he's saying, my trouble won't last forever, but what God is doing in me as a result of the trouble, it will last forever. Next verse. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. We fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now, the immediate trouble, will soon be gone, even if it lasts a long time. But the things we cannot see will last forever. What's he saying? Perspective. Empowered perspective. Where you see something that you haven't seen, but yet it's been there the whole time. You're like, oh, okay. So the trouble won't last forever. Because in real trouble, you wonder if it will ever end. And it takes away the zeal. That's why Paul would say to Timothy, you have to stir up the gift. That's why John would say, get back to your first love. Sin is not the only thing that is a damper on the fire of God. Struggle tries to decrease the passion and vision and excellence. So Paul says, get an empowered perspective. May the eyes of my heart be enlightened. We're from from Memphis before coming here, meaning we pastored in Memphis for 10 years before we came here, and it's the home of FedEx. And there's something unique about their logo. Let me put it on the screen for you. Raise your hand if you see the arrow. Raise your hand if you've seen this logo, but you've never seen the arrow. Would you raise your hand? So we have several. All right, look at this. A perfect arrow. I heard you. You, (sighs) Is that not the coolest thing? How many of you are seeing the arrow for the first time today? The teacher has taught. The students have learned. The day is over. Good night, everybody. So there's an arrow. What'd you learn in church today? There's an arrow in the FedEx logo. No, Jesus, Jesus. The answer is always Jesus. There's an arrow, and it's always been there. It's just that you got enlightened. Someone pointed it out, and now you have a perspective that you didn't have a few seconds ago. And now you see it, and the next time you see it in your car, don't wreck, but... If you're with someone, say, see the arrow? I see the arrow. It's always been there. It's just, now you see it. The eclipse is coming. Everyone's talking about the eclipse. I've been reminded, hearing all this about the Hubble telescope that we launched in 1990. It was to give us pictures of things that we just could not see clearly. When we look through the atmosphere, it's the pockets of air that it it creates shadows. And it's what makes stars look like they, they twinkle. And if you sing, twinkle, twinkle, little star, uh, 
you got to change that. They don't twinkle. They just shine all the time. But because we look through the atmosphere to see them and there are pockets of air, it looks as though they twinkle. So we launch this telescope. It goes through our atmosphere and it starts taking pictures of things that we can't even see. And it's sending them back, but yet they're blurry. And we work 20 years on this telescope. And they realize it's not an atmosphere problem, it's a lens problem. And so they launched the Endeavor and sent a team up to snap in a new lens. And now the pictures that we get from the Hubble tele Telescope that circles our planet every 96 minutes, they're the, it's beyond 2020. It's incredible. And all we did was change the lens. Paul is saying... It's not a life problem that we go into. It's a lens problem. We have to have a lens snapped in where you can see the bigger picture. The eyes of a lion. You, you get to see farther. Kelly and I just, both of us went to the eye doctor. and We, had, we have contacts now. And both of us had the same problem. Left, so here's the way they corrected it. They gave us contacts. The left eye sees up close. And the contact in the right eye is for seeing far away. So you just use them both. And now I'm like, we have the most beautiful people that sit in these rows back here. I didn't even know y'all were here. It's like, I should have gotten these so much sooner because, wow, you're all near, far, wherever. So I can see you. I see you. I see you. I see you. And I, I thought, this is, this is exactly what Paul was saying. We see what's immediately happening to us, and oftentimes that's, it, it closes our vision in. And we lose the ability to see the big picture. And what Mark was saying to all of us by showing us Jesus' teaching to his disciples, here's greatness. You keep the ambition, express it through servanthood. Don't see servanthood in competition with greatness. See servanthood as the pathway to greatness. That will develop a servant spirit that will move you to excellence in everything you do. That carves out distinction of influence. It's all by the power of Jesus Christ. And when you go through the rough time, and you will, it is the same power that keeps your perspective so you can see near and far. And the eyes of your heart will be enlightened so that you know the present trial that seems larger than anything you've ever experienced in light of the big picture is small. And it seems so difficult, but in light of the big picture, What's really happening is God's working something inside of you, and that's what's going to last. And that will be added to the weight of your greatness that will, you will use to platform Jesus Christ. My teacher, Miss Blankenship, she also was diagnosed with cancer. And the way she walked that out taught us way more than we ever intended to learn. 
as the worship team comes back, every one of us, we have this opportunity to be great. Here is my burden for us as followers of Jesus and the church. I, I fear this for the church. The, Jesus says the first will be last. So like we're trying to work out where we are on the line. I fear the church is in the middle. We know we need to be present, but we've lost our ambition. We've lost our passion. We've lost our edge. We've lost our vision. And this is a, this is a general. Uh, I'm being not just this church. I'm saying this is what happens to any in church, the Lord's churches, and that's why culture gets out of control because we get content to be in the middle rather than saying, we are called to be great. We are called to be the thermostat to set culture, not just be a thermometer to say how, what the climate is. We were we're called to be the innovative, creative, passionate visionaries. Setting the pace and setting the level and setting the tone. The greatest minds should be followers of Jesus. The greatest innovators, the greatest creators, the greatest surgeons, the greatest attorneys, the greatest doctors, the greatest teachers, the greatest should be like Donald Grotto, a passionate follower of Jesus. Create a distinction. Set the bar. And if there's anything inside of you that has settled for mediocrity, break out of that today. Because the Lord wants to hold a conversation about greatness. Greatness. We get to do this once. It's not a dress rehearsal. We'll never have this day again. We'll never have it again. Let's not be content to just be present. Let's be ambitious, visionary, passionate, on fire, all in, full throttle. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. Think of any career path. Think of those who set, who set the tone. How did they get there? They lived for the sunrise. They didn't get there through, through just happenstance. Great mentor of mine said, Ron, nothing falls into place but dirt. If you want something, you got to go get it. And don't let that be in conflict with honoring God. God put the drive in you. There would not be a church if there weren't people who were determined come the most severe test to keep passionate and visionary we wouldn't have what we have. Let's go back to that early church's passion to say, with God, we will give everything we have. And the cost, James and John, they sent their mother 
to say to Jesus, now they're the sons of thunder and they send mommy to ask if they could, if her boys could sit on the left and right and, and read it. It's in Matthew. It's so amazing. Jesus said he answered them, which means here's, here's mommy talking to Jesus. And James and John, the sons of thunder, are standing behind mommy while she's saying, could they sit on your left and right? And Jesus answered them. So he looks at James and John and says, here's the deal. You want to be great? He didn't say, well, that's a wrong attitude. He didn't criticize them for wanting to be great. He said, you want to be great? Be servant of all. And then watch how James and John, they got it. And they were unstoppable. I feel like God wants to give somebody some fresh fire today. Some fresh fire. Stand with me, everyone. If you sense that the dream has been threatened, if you sense that there's a need in you for a greater passion, a greater fire for God and to be who God's created you to be, if you've fallen into the trap of comparison, you want to break out of that. The the way to cast the net on this message, it's, it's a big net because it reaches to the person who says, I want to be at my best, and you've already been operating at a high level. This is the person, it's also to the person who's in the middle. Circumstances have made you uh, accept a level that's beneath who God's created you to be because life is hard. It's kind of taking the fight out of you. It's taking the fire out of you. I've been there. I will tell you right now, I have been there. And that's why at times we have to stir up the gift. We have to stir up the gift and say, wait a minute, I'm going to be great. So if you want to break out of a mindset that's small, if you want to break out of a mediocre attitude, as they sing, I want you to come forward. And we're going to pray. And we're just we're going to say, Lord, stir up the gift in me. You know who you are. And as they sing, come today. That's it. You know who you are. Come today. it keep coming it's an amazing response I'm telling you this is the word to us stir up the gift stir up the gift stir up the gift to be here. Come. 
This is your moment. That's it. Just keep coming. Keep coming. We're going to sing it again. Jesus, we have all responded today because we don't want to just apathetically or half-heartedly go through life. And Lord, there's no criticism for what gets us to that place because struggles are real. When life closes in on us, it has a tendency to threaten that fire of ambition, the drive, the vision, it shrinks, it goes away. We put it away, we give up on the dream. Today, God, you're revitalizing. To every one of you, I want you to hear this. What you received, which is that, that passion for God, what you received, it's okay along the way to understand it has to be revived. What you received has to be revived. So right now, that's our prayer. Holy Spirit, just come and revive, stir up that gift. You are not who your past says you are. You're who God says you are. You're not what has been done to you. You are what has been done for you by Jesus Christ. It's a new day. It's a new day. Give to God anything that has been an obstacle, a challenge. Even now, Holy Spirit, just stir up that sense of hope. Everyone here, Lord, you have given them purpose. Give them this personality, the characteristics we've talked about today to match the purpose. Jesus, call us to greatness and empower that greatness today. In Jesus' name. We, God, will not allow anything to keep us in the middle, to keep us mediocre. We break out of that. We're not going to live in a small boundary. We're going to, say, increase our territory. Take us to a new place where we're going to wake up wanting to be at our best, wanting to give our best, wanting to apply ourselves, wanting to sacrifice and do whatever it takes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
Come on, I want you to sing it with them now. Open your heart and lift your hands. And let's declare. Come on, let's do this today. This is a new day. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Give him a great praise. Yes, come on and give him a praise today. We're on fire for God. Passionate for God. Amen.